This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. We as Rocket fans are breathing a collective sigh of relief. What stress that was Tuesday night. The NBA draft lottery with so much at stake for the Houston Rockets. If they don't land in the top four and they had a 52% chance of landing in the top four, um, they would fall all the way down to 18, giving the, the fifth pick of the draft to the OKC Thunder. Instead, the Rockets come up big. Akeem Olajuwon comes up big. Uh, again for the Rockets and Houston lands the number two pick. It's not the number one pick in Cade Cunningham, but it's as good as it gets after that. And uh, I'm here joined by my guest, David Weiner. You know him on Twitter and on Clutch Fans as Bima Thug. Super popular follow, very savvy and knowledgeable about the cap. And, he, you know, this is his time of the year as well with the offseason kicking in. David, how you feeling right now, man? I'm feeling pretty good, Dave. Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, yeah, would have liked to get Cade Cunningham, but uh, but I'm I'm ecstatic with the number two pick. You know, for me, this was just stress, and and from 14 down to five, I was sweating every single one of them, and I had my list up. I had you know Twitter. I had a million windows open on my computer watching it live, and it just was going perfectly until you hit Toronto and Toronto was skipped and you knew they were in the top four and then Cleveland was skipped at the end. But when they announced Orlando as the fifth pick, I, you know, and, and I actually saw the logo for Orlando before he announced it just as it you know was, was coming out. And I just recognized it as not the Rockets logo. That was just an amazing feeling. It felt like a playoff win simply because there was so much at stake. If it hadn't been for the ill-advised Russell Westbrook trade, you know, the fifth pick isn't the end of the world. You're going to get a very good player at five. But falling down to 18 after a season like the Rockets just had, the worst in the league, uh, that that's a tough pill to swallow. I think it would have delayed it, you know, their rebuild at least a year. Um, and, you know, so for me, once they were in the top four, everything else was just gravy. And for them to get the number two pick, I mean, I, I'm ecstatic. And so I think the, the really the draft starts with the Rockets, David. I don't know what you think, but I feel like most people assume Cade Cunningham is the consensus number one pick. That may not be the case, but it looks to be the case right now. Uh, and the drama begins with the Rockets. So I think this next month, up until the, the, the late July uh, draft, the Rockets are going to be a popular name and team thrown around. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I, I would be absolutely shocked if, if the Detroit Pistons did not take Kate Cunningham number one overall, I think he's a can't-miss star. Um, I think Detroit knows that, too. Um, and the fact that Cunningham is only scheduling one workout, and that's with the Pistons. You know, the, I mean, of course, the Pistons haven't chimed in on that yet, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd be shocked if there were any other result in that. So it really does mean that the Rafael Stone controls the first like real decision of the NBA draft. And it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, you know, I'm sure as we're going to get into more on this podcast, you know, there's several very, very attractive options uh, that are pretty, pretty equal. And uh, sitting at number two, you have some options and that, that includes possibly trading down. Yeah. You know, and, and, Rafael Stone, uh, the Rockets general manager, spoke after the lottery results, and he actually did not even watch the lottery live. He didn't want to go through the drama of it. He set his alarm clock, basically, uh, to a time that he knew that the results would be released, and he just logged in then to find out. But he's basically saying he's going to leave, you know, no pun intended, no stone unturned. They're going to look at all different kinds of options here, um, you know, 
he, he basically talked about knowing the draft from top to bottom, and I think that's what their their goal is to do. And and so, you know, I think you probably will see some rumors about them maybe moving to three or four. I would think, but right now, being with the number two pick in the draft, they have their choice of what most people believe is three candidates. And that's Jalen Green out of, uh, you know, G League Ignite team, um, uh, basically 18, 19 year old player, explosive electric athlete guard, six foot five um, shooting guard. And then you've got, you know, USC center Evan Mobley, who I think is in the lead is probably the consensus number. Or I shouldn't say consensus, but, the, you know, number two pick on most boards. Uh, and then you've got sort of the dark horse, which is Gonzaga point guard Jalen Suggs. I personally feel like this is a two-horse race. If the Rockets stay at two and are picking, it's either between Mobley or Green. Um, but to, to tell you how close this is, I mean, I, I started a poll right after the, the results uh, were announced of who would you take if you're the Rockets with the number two pick. And, but, and I just had three options, Mobley, Green, and Suggs, and the three are all in the 30% range. It's pretty much split three ways. <laughs> Um, I think Mobley's number one and Suggs actually is just narrowly edging out green. Um, but f- for me, the last month, it's been between green and Mobley. I've gone back and forth. I've, I've, I had green um, number two for me. And then I just really read up a lot on Mobley. And I felt like this guy could be a very special, unique big in that he can switch. And he's got the, the, the basically the quickness and, and he, he can have the range. I think he's got, Tremendous potential, even though you've got your center of the future, you believe in Christian Wood, it might be hard to pass up Evan Mobley. Yeah, Dave, I'm in a similar camp as you. I think all three of those guys are excellent choices. Um, I've waffled between each of the three of them at various points over the last couple of months. Uh, You know, obviously during the tournament, we saw the most out of Suggs, uh, so he was top of mind, but I think I'm with you in that it's probably, if we stay at number two, it's probably between Mobley and Green. Green having the scoring upside to be a star and Mobley having more of a, an all-around game as a, you know, a unicorn big. I mean, I've been hearing a lot of people making the case against Mobley of, well, we don't need bigs. It's all about perimeter talent now. Well, the reason you don't need most bigs is that most bigs don't have the, the, a very uh, particular set of skills to borrow from Liam Neeson um, to, to thrive in a in a in today's NBA, and I think Mobley is one of those unicorn bigs that could be really special. And if you have a chance to get one of those, I mean, look, I like Christian Wood. I think he's a good player and has really good scoring ability. I don't necessarily consider him a franchise centerpiece. And I wouldn't let that preclude you from taking Mobley if you think he's special. So, you know, ultimately, I'm happy to defer to the front office. I think that I have confidence that they're going to make a well-informed decision and that they know better than I do personally when it comes to this draft. But, uh, you know, I might slightly lean Mobley just if he really does have – if those skills are real and this is the second coming of Chris Bosch, uh, it's hard to pass that up as, as, as electric a talent as Jalen Green is. Yeah, I, you know, I let me just be clear. I don't think the Rockets have any idea for sure where they're going to go. I just have talked to just different people, again, not in the know, not, not making this decision, but there's just sort of this expectation that it's going to be Mobley uh, or that's who they would, you know, that's who the number two pick would be, whether the Rockets are there or not. Um so maybe the Rockets are are I'm, I'm sure you're going to see all kinds of reports of different players of you know this guy as you mentioned is a unicorn or is is absolutely amazing and they're going to try to you know tempt teams like uh, Cleveland Toronto Orlando to to move up you know I'm sure that's going to happen but I think you know for them to be in this position at all considering that that swap was right there I mean this is just enormous luck in a season in which the Rockets had none. The entire season was just bad luck, bad news. Everything was awful. Even the tiebreaker, the three-way tiebreaker at 21, 22, and 23 went, you know, the worst case scenario for the Rockets. So they were due for some luck and they got it at the exact right time. Um, 
I, like I said, I, I'm thrilled with any of those three guys that are probably going to be on the, you know, available to them at number two. Um, if they go Mobley, I think maybe it's a little bit slower of a rebuild. He is going to, you know, for a big, it's, I think he's going to be a little bit raw coming in. Um, I think Jalen Green probably has, you know, explosive guard potential. Um, I think he could be fantastic. I think that's the slightly unfortunate part about being at number two. I mean, you'd rather be there, but the opportunity cost of who you pass up is is something that's going to hang over you, right? I mean, if you're picking three, you know, you basically just take whoever wasn't picked between, you know, Mobley and, and Green. So, you know, I think, like you said, they're going to make an educated decision. They're going to do all their homework, and they're going to be a, a very popular team in the news in the next month. Well, and I will say this, that, that I think of the three options we discussed, the, the, the best rookie, if I had to guess, the best rookie would probably be Suggs. I think he makes the most immediate impact, even if his ceiling is lower. Um, and let, let's be honest, the Rockets aren't going to make many waves next season. So I'm perfectly fine with a slow start for our number two pick if that means we get a higher pick in the 2022 draft. That, that's fine by me. I want to pick high in 2022, and I even have the patience to pick high in 2023. I just want to be uh, – you know, hopefully a playoff team by 2024, so the Thunder gets stuck with some uh, some bad picks. That, that's exactly right. They now, I mean, and and I want to talk about OKC as well, but they now have two seasons to do whatever they want, basically, as far as you know their own team's results without you know any draft pick ramifications going to the Thunder. It's not till the 2023-24 season that it matters. The Rockets owe a top four protected. 2024 pick and a top four protected 2026 pick to the Thunder. And then they have swap rights in 2025 that are top 10 protected. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, for me, this is a little bit of karma for OKC. I felt like they blatantly tanked down the stretch of the season just to get into this position. And it basically was as close to worst case scenario for them as they could get. I believe seven was the, the worst they could get and then not get Houston's pick. And I, I mean, they could have gotten eight, but that would have meant, I believe, Houston would be five. Um, so uh, for them to end up sixth and not get Houston's pick, that was pretty bad for OKC. And um, so to me, I, like I said, I thought felt like they blatantly tanked the whole Al Horford thing. Really threw me for a loop that nobody, you know, batted an eye at this at all, that it was not, you know, strange. Oh, you should listen to the, the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. The Sixers fans were up in arms about it because, all the heat that he, that that Sam Hankey got exactly. for doing less than what Presty was doing last year. That that's that's and OKC fans have been really upset with me for pointing this out. But that's my whole thing. I don't feel like what what Sam Presty has been doing, you know, acquiring picks and more or less going for losing to you know better their future is necessarily wrong. It's that they they targeted and singled out Hankey and said, no, you can't do this and they're completely overlooking Sam Presti. I don't know if it's because he's been in the league longer or, or what, but that's exactly what they're doing. I and, mean, I can imagine it might be because they've already changed the lottery odds and they felt that, oh, well, this was our reaction to the process Sixers. And now that we've gone ahead and done it, teams can tank at their own risk because their lottery odds are lower. That 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 might be an explanation. Sure. And I'm not saying it's a good one, but it might be one. Yeah, and, but it's just amazing how much better this is for the Rockets given that debt. You know, you uh, that's that hangs over their head in in uh, you know three years basically. They get a solid building block piece. They're going to be able to keep adding building block pieces over the next few years, and they're going to be in a you hope a better position um, in 2024, 25, and 26. And that 25 swap. I believe they only have the they can either swap with Houston or they can swap with LAC, and like I said, it's top ten protected for Houston. They can't you know swap with both basically. So um, you know I think that it's going to work out pretty well. Um, this to be able to add a significant blue chip piece here is going to help the Rockets moving forward. And of course, you've got all the Brooklyn's picks, you've got the Minnesota pick, or excuse me, the Milwaukee pick. Um, and you have to talk about the Detroit pick now, David. I mean, uh, Cade Cunningham's going to go to the Pistons. That p- 
pick is heavily protected the next few years. I think it's top 16, then goes to top 18 for a couple of years before the protections start to wear off down to top nine. But Detroit's playoff timeline might have been altered by this lottery win. So the Rockets may get that first-round pick as well. Uh, This is going to be interesting. I've been saying for for months now that if the Rockets – obviously I want the Rockets to get a top-four pick – and I wanted them to get number one. But if I had to pick one team, if the Rockets didn't get the number one pick, what other NBA team would I most want to get the number one pick? It was Detroit for that exact reason. I think Cunningham on the Pistons in the Eastern Conference makes them a playoff team in in the next two to three years. And I think that Detroit pick is going to convey – my only hope now is that it, it conveys later rather than sooner and that it's a better pick, you know. It, it would be great if it conveys in 2026 and it's the you know 12th pick of the draft or the 15th pick of the draft instead of something in the in the late teens early 20s. So, but you know, but if that pick, I, I thought that was a small win. Yeah. If that pick conveys later, I mean, Detroit now, I mean, they probably were just willing to just kick back and whatever happens happens. But you know, it's just like Zion in in New Orleans. I mean, Kate Cunningham's going to be that star. He's going to they need to. St- now start building around Cade Cunningham. I mean, he gets the one-year grace period. If he ends up being a you know a rookie of the year, explosive superstar, they're going to have to start putting pieces around him. And that first-round pick handcuffs them from trading first-round yep. picks. So I said this. The, I said this the night of, the, of that trade. I remember that the Rockets have the the Pistons' first-round picks locked up for the next seven years. And the day may come, and we didn't really think that it would it would be you know that quickly. But the day may come where the the Pistons are going to want to be able to trade a pick before 2029, and they'll have to come to the Rockets and reduce those protections in order to do that. Um, and I think, like you said, you know, with Cade Cunningham on the team, they may need you know in the next couple of years, two three years, they may need to start adding pieces via trade, they may need a first-round pick. Maybe, you know, maybe one year they're picking 14th or something, and they'd rather just give, get that out of the way and and be able to move a future pick, and they remove protections and the Rocks get a better pick. I mean, y- you never know, but the odds have, I think, just gone up that the Pistons might need to trade a pick sooner rather than later. So let's talk about this number two pick here for a minute, assuming they do take it. And we talked about Mobley, talked about Green. But, you know, if if it is Mobley and most people, like I said, put him, uh, you know, a little higher up and, and the expectation is that he would go number two. Um, how do you work that out? I know the Rockets are not drafting for fit. I mean, they've got Christian Wood. He's their starting center. He's got two years left on his contract. You draft Evan Mobley. Do you just groom him for the future? I mean, is it? kind of like a Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of situation where, you know, you just, you know, bring him up to be this two-way demon uh, over time? Because I don't think he's going to come in right away and have that major impact. But at the same time, if he's ready for playing time, he's blocked a little bit here by Christian Wood. I don't know if those two on the floor at the same time necessarily make a lot of sense. Steven Silas has always said, Christian Wood's strength, you know, the advantage the Rockets have is playing him at center. You know, you play him at forward and he's, you know, he's he's not playing as as much around the basket and he's not as unique having that three-point range. Well, I will say this. I think Evan Mobley can play the four. And hmm. the main reason is because I think he can defend fours. Um, look, let's, let's be real. Christian Wood is a very good offensive player. He's shown flashes on defense, but overall he's not he's not a world beater on the defensive end. I think Mobley has the chance to be a special defensive player who can get out and guard on the perimeter. Um, exactly. I think he can guard once. Th- I think he he might be better at guarding guards right now than he can guarding centers. Um, just because I think he, he he's a little skinny now, he needs to put a little more meat on his bones over the next couple of years. But um, I, I think he can play power forward alongside Wood. Um, you know, we haven't even mentioned the, the possibility of the Rockets bringing back Kelly Olynyk and what that would mean if you would have all three of those guys on the roster and you just kind of play them as a rotation. Maybe you bring Mobley off the bench as rookie year. Um, 
I think if they did bring Olenek back, it would probably just be on a one or two year deal. Um, I think they could. I think they could give him. Mobley, maybe Piggy Mobley, you know, uh, crosses that off the list. Who knows? And I think Olenek is. Uh, you have to consider him an asset on the court and and possibly via trade. I think he's either signed and traded a one year lucrative offer if he's amenable to it, or or you know the Rockets try to get him on a multi year deal that's rather reasonable and tradable. Uh, otherwise, he's gone. You know, I can't. I don't think the Rockets, um, you know, more than a one or two year deal, as you pointed out, are are going to want to commit to him long term. Uh, you know, I, I think it's smart to to keep him if you can, but then you have to look at trading him if if this team isn't uh, a playoff team next year. And again, I'm I'm sure. I, don't I think it maybe, will be, maybe the odds of keeping him at least for another year go up because maybe they want him to to mentor Mobley. You know, he's a, he'd be a pretty good mentor, I think. Sure. For a, uh, per, you know, at least offensively, on a, you know, a versatile offensive uh, perimeter-minded big. So let me. Okay, so we we talked a little bit about Mobley, uh, how it fit in, and I, I got to be honest. Like I said, I've I've before even before the lottery results, I had him two A two B. I go back and forth. I, I, I really would love to have both players. So I, I I'm I'm torn on this, but I think right now I just lean a hair towards Mobley, um, over Green. Who would you take if you, you know, being the Rockets right now at the number two pick? I think I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I would be ecstatic with Jalen Green. If, if they take Jalen Green at number two, you get no complaints from me. Um, I might slightly lean Mobley because if, if, if the Rockets brass feel he's special enough to take number two, well then I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and a. a a special big with his skill set maybe trumps a an electric scoring shooting guard. Um, but, you know, Green would be a great fit as well, I think, you know, especially if they want to keep Kevin Porter Jr. at the at the point guard spot. You know, you have a rotation of, I mean, hell, they'd be loaded at the guard spots uh, with Wall and Gordon and Porter and Green um, obviously, Wall and Gordon are not part of your future, but you know they're gun to my head. I'd say the two of them you know, are more likely than not to be on the roster to start next season. I mean, I'm sure the Rocks will try to trade with one or both of them, but you know, I wouldn't put the odds of them actually moving them over 50%. So you will have kind of a glut of guards, but you know, Jalen Green's going to—he'll probably have a. Some people were saying. Oh, he'll definitely score 20 points a game as a rookie. I don't see it. I think he'll have growing pains. I think of the three of them, he may even, you know, he'll score pretty well. But overall, I think he'll have a lot of growing pains, um, especially trying to, to, you know, get get enough minutes with all those other players that are going to have to play. So, um, you know, I, I'm not expecting him to win rookie of the year if we took Jalen Green, but but, you know. I'd certainly be happy with him. Yeah. So let me ask you is between the two Jalen's, do you put green over Suggs? Probably. Um, and, and I love Jalen Suggs. I mean, I think he's got, um, you know, he's got a toughness to him that I, I think he's maybe the toughest of the three. I think he's a winner. Uh, reminds me a lot of Brandon Roy without the mm, bumpy. Yeah. Um, a guy, the Rockets came so close to getting in 2006. Um, <laughs> I remember. And, uh, I mean, there, his ceiling is not as high as the other two, but I think his floor might also be uh, – I think his ceiling is lower. Safe But pick, his floor yeah. is higher than the other two. Um, yeah, I think safe. And I don't think safe in then, you know, in a like Tyrese Halliburton kind of way where you kind of – a lot of people knew he would be a safe bet and – that might have been part of why he fell all the way to the Kings last year, which was, I mean, I think dumb. Several teams made a mistake not taking Tyrese Halliburton last year. But, but you know, I, I think Suggs has a high, I think he has a higher floor than Halliburton. I think he has star potential, although maybe not at the same caliber as Mobley or Green. Yeah. Um, and again, if, if we if we heard with the number two pick of the NBA draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Suggs. I'm not going to be stomping my feet complaining about it. You know, again, if the Rockets feel he's the best pick, 
Um, he probably he would probably be my third choice out of those three at number two. But again, you know, if you're coming out of this draft with Jalen Suggs, that's nothing to cry over. You know, what makes the decision for me, and I, and I like I said, I have Mobley too just by a hair, but if they feel Evan Mobley could be a special uh, defensive player, if they feel like he could be all defense, you know, uh, first team, second team type of guy, defensive player of the year candidate eventually over time, that kind of guy, then it, that's the decision for me. I, I don't like to go big over um, – you know, a, a special scoring guard, um, you know, a versatile scoring guard usually. But if this guy is, like you said, a unicorn or something that they feel defensively can be unique, that's there's a value to that. I think, you know, he shot about 30, 31% from three-point range, nothing special. But he's only 19, and he's willing to shoot that shot. I think he could develop that. Um, if that's the case – defensive guy who could switch on all different kinds of players, score in the post and perimeter, be a, a, a rim runner, run pick and rolls and, and, you know, drive to the basket, set screens and have range. I mean, you have to, I think you have to take him. It's that's too unique of a big man potential than, um, than you would get on, you know, there's going to be other guys in the next few drafts that have great scoring potential uh, guards and wings. Um, but, a truly unique, rare big like that, um, in from you know built for the modern NBA. I think you got to go there. But it's like I said, it's I would leave it in the Rockets' hands to determine that over the next month if they feel he has that kind of potential. I, you know, there's so much to talk about the lottery, but we, we've we've touched on a lot. I do want to ask you about Ben Simmons and your thoughts on the Rockets basically passing on that Sixers deal and you know facing an enormous amount of criticism from media fans for getting what they did and, and you know most of them overlooked the draft picks and just looked at what it came down to was Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley and and you know what have you compared to Ben Simmons and then Ben Simmons has this just epically bad Eastern Conference semifinal series what do you think a about you know the Rockets passing on that deal and b uh you know I don't know if I am committing sacrilege here but possibly exploring it trading for him at this point with four years and, and 30 plus million annually uh, on his deal. I mean, a lot of GMs have made this comment that, that, you know, it's so, it's just as much or more about the trades you don't make than it is about the trades you make. And I think the Rockets probably made in hindsight, made the right decision going with the Nets offer over the Sixers, uh, which involves, fewer and potentially worse draft picks. Um, yes, Simmons could end up being better than anyone the Rockets could get with any of the picks they get from the Nets, but he also probably would have made the 2020-2021 regular season Houston Rockets a better team to the point where They're they'd here. be picking 18th. They're, they'd be picking 18th tonight instead of number two. Great point. So, you know, in a way, not trading for Ben Simmons added the number two pick to the Nets package Yeah. <laughs> instead of the 18th pick. That's a, that's a great point. And I, I really wish people would look at this, the overall package. There's I, One, I promise you, Daryl, was if he was including two first-round picks, then – then you know I would say there's that's the maximum he was offering, and I guarantee you he was not uh, sending those unprotected. I, at least I mean I don't know right. that for a fact, but I mean just given what he does, I, I can almost assure you he was putting top four protection on that. And I think Daryl knew what most of us did that he had the best player prospect to offer. I mean I I have to admit I wanted Ben Simmons at the time. I thought he was you know the best, but I wanted a lot of uh, draft picks as well. And I think when you compare the two deals, you can't overlook the fact that the Rockets needed a haul of unprotected picks. And that's what, that's what uh, Brooklyn offered. Um, I don't think that that same offer came from any other team. Um, and I know it didn't come from Philly when they were offering Ben Simmons, but the Rockets would be without those draft picks. They'd still be in draft pick debt. I mean, they'd have a few other scattered first round picks that they picked up along the way. But then they'd have a four-year, thirty-plus million annually uh, deal 
that they'd have to pay along with John Wall and Eric Gordon um, at that time. So they would be in a, in a pretty painful situation right now. Oh, God, having that much money committed to John Wall and, and Ben Simmons, two players that, that I don't think fit well with each other, that, that would be some salary cap hell right now if 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 we you know assuming they could make the playoffs with that kind of team and you got the same kind of Ben Simmons playoff performance oh it it would be pretty ugly right now uh and to answer your question would I consider trading for Ben Simmons for the right price probably I mean he's an elite defensive player and a very good passer but you know maybe if they took Mobley and you could package several, you know, multiple picks, not the number two pick, multiple picks and John Wall, uh, maybe. But, uh, you know, it, it, I think you'd have to have John Wall as part of that deal for, for it to be palatable. If there were any otherwise, picks involved, otherwise sure. You're, just, yeah. you're, you're clogging the cap for the foreseeable future. Um, that would be rough, especially if you're going to add more lottery picks over the next few years. Those, those guys aren't cheap. They have big cap holes. Like, for instance, you know, the number two picks cap hold next year is, is going to be about $9 million. So, you know, top a significant five salary. Something. Yeah, it's you're yeah. exactly right. You know, and it's funny how history repeats itself. I mean, here's Daryl, and, you know, after his first year in Philly, you know, Joel Embiid's probably fed up. I, I would have to think if he has any say, I don't know if he's going to, you know, do the same type of thing that James Harden did, but I mean, he may be like, look, you need to move Ben Simmons or, you know, he's got two years remaining left on his deal. Um, it, it just would be fascinating to me if, uh, you know, Daryl is sort of forced to sell a point guard with a fat contract at a low point of his value because a superstar is, is you know, what I'm saying? So there's similarities there. And then, you know, here's this report about Mike D'Antoni being a front runner um, for the the Portland job and, and CJ McCollum being one of the biggest um trade rumors and i thought jesus he kind of then drop another point guard who can't shoot uh with a fat contract onto mike d'antoni i mean it's just the 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 parallels between the situation of you know harden and and chris paul and all that was is you know kind of interesting to me right now but i gotta tell you i am just so happy with this result i think it would have been just pure pain for all of us if the rockets handed the fifth pick to okc and, and and okc ended up in the you know top three or four um and, you know, that would have been another young West Western Conference team that just, you know, is way ahead of the Rockets as far as rebuilding. And instead, the Rockets get a significant leg up here. Um, and, you know, like I said, well, they, and, and let, let me, Dave, let me take this opportunity to um, to pay tribute to the Rockets front office from 2019 for having the wherewithal and the foresight to slap top four protection on the 2021 pick swap at a time when nobody on planet Earth almost thought in a million years that a top four protection would be relevant. And at a time when the Clippers and the Lakers and all these other teams making big trades were handed out unprotected pick swaps left and right, that the Rockets have the foresight to slap a top four protection on a pick swap we thought was probably never even going to convey. Even when you and I were complaining about how terrible the trade was, that was the one aspect of the trade neither of us had any real complaint about. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking right now about the number two pick in the draft going to Oklahoma City because we just kind of did a plain old trade with a plain old pick swap, I mean, we'd be, you know, someone would have to come and talk both of us off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, you're so, right. You're right about credit that. Credit to the Rockets front office for slapping that protection on at a time when nobody thought it would be relevant, and it turned out to be pretty damn relevant. And, and you know, the Clippers and the Lakers were handing out unprotected pick swaps at the time. Yep. It was suddenly the trend. So, yes, you know, tip of the hat to Daryl and the entire front office for making one of the worst trades ever, but adding this nice little loophole that got us out of this, but yes, um, that was really nice. Now I will say if it had been top five protection, then, you know, all of us would have been sitting comfortably the last couple months, but, um, yes, I have to admit they saved the Rockets bacon with that protection. And 
it's nice knowing that they, even though they owe those picks and it's really unfortunate because here's Chris Paul probably going to the NBA Finals and, um, you know, Russell Westbrook is not and and not on the Rockets either, um, that they added that protection because they'll, the Rockets will never give up, you know, that elite talent from a draft because of this trade. And it, it wasn't the case this year and won't be the case in the other any of the other debts. So that part is nice, and it's nice to not have to worry about it for the next couple of seasons as well. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they're in a great position. Um, this changes everything, in my opinion. If they had been 18th, we'd be – We'd be hurting right now in in a big bad way. Do you think twenty three and twenty four? And, and you're you know we're both just kind of you know studying the draft ourselves. It's just just as fans. Do you think they're going to be able to get a significant player there? And I could. Do you think that they might unload one of those picks for a future pick? I mean, it's possible. I mean, I thought if they ended up at eighteen that they would definitely try to package at least two of those three picks to move up maybe into the late lottery. Uh, now that they're picking at number two, um, do they still try to package those two and move up a few spots? I'm guessing no from, from everything I've heard. And again, I've, I have studied the draft only a little bit. Um, you know, I think I'll, I'll know a lot more b- before, you know, by, by this time next month. But, um, from everything I'm hearing that you have the top five picks are, are really, really great. And then by the time you get to even number nine or 10, it flattens out pretty quick into the late twenties. So you might be able to get two players at 23 and 24 who are each comparable to a late lottery pick. So maybe it's not, you know, if, if you could move up to number 16 or 17 it might not be worth it because you get two bites of the apple at 23 and 24 and while you wouldn't get your quite your pick of the litter you at least you know double your chances that you might hit on one of these relatively similarly talented players so we'll see i mean the, the team desperately needs talent up and down the roster so i have no issue adding three rookies you know, it's interesting. OKC's at 16 and at 18. Like, you know, teams in the 12 to 20 range, you've got San Antonio, Indiana, Golden State, Washington. Who could use two picks instead of one? It's always a tough thing to to decipher. I would say Atlanta at 20 is not one of those teams. I don't think the Knicks are necessarily either. It's going to be hard to find somebody who will take 23 and 24 for, you know, a, a mid-teens pick or or – uh, early teens pick, but that would be nice. I mean, I, I think there's a, enough of talent there that it, it would be worth jumping up. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, if, if there's someone that, 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 you know, Rafael has number eight on his draft board that falls to number 16 or 17, well then maybe he tries to move up then. But it could, I mean, every team's draft board is going to be significantly different. So you never know. Maybe he just, you know, if you want to get quote unquote, your guy, you, maybe give up, you know, you'd pay more than a hundred cents on the dollar to get your guy. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm, we're betting on it, I'd say odds are they probably stay there, which, which is now officially assured that they won't stay there because I said it out loud. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think they can get two, two decent young players with those, with those two picks and, you know, may, you know, in that draft range, the hit rate is not extremely high, so why not double your chances? So, but um, yeah, I mean, speaking of trading up and trading down, Dave, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. But if you're if if you're on the phone with Cleveland or Toronto, what are you, what would you want in return from Cleveland? to move down to three and what would you want from Toronto to move down to four and how much are those things different than one another? Well, I should say, I mean, I I feel going to three is a big difference. I like Suggs a lot, but I would, for me, I would want green. And I, I saw you tweet about this and I was, I I was going to ask you about it, but I'm just wondering why necessarily would Cleveland 
want Mobley when they have Jared Allen? I mean, again, you, you maybe answered this question before when you said you felt Mobley could play four. Um, but I just wonder, you know, why would Cleveland necessarily make that move? But for me, I would want un- a future unprotected pick or, or additional picks, plural. Um, I'm all for squeezing every asset out of this. I, I really would like to see Stone start to, to, to use or treat the Rockets similar to the way Presti does, you know, with OKC is – if we know we're not going to contend, and I should say that Rafael Stone has said, you know, he's not he's not banking on the Rockets, you know, being a poor team next year. He's he's confident they're going to be better. He's saying that's not the plan. I should say, um, you know, I, I want to see them use their cap room to you know take on maybe a contract that's a couple of years similar to what OKC is doing and pick up first round picks along the way. Um, so I, I'm all for him squeezing this. If he feels Jalen Green is just as good of a pick or if not better and he finds somebody wants Mobley, you know, I, I'm all for it. But I would think I would want a future unprotected pick. That's that's how way I would look at it. I mean, it, it may be the other way around. It may be that, that Cleveland really wants Green. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's so close between those two. I, I would, you know, I, like you said, it's, you know that there's a freedom in being in picking where where one of the guys you're struggling over just falls to you and you just take the guy that wasn't taken ahead of him. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, that that I and, and someone pointed out to me that that even when uh, the Sixer when the 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 Celtics traded down on the Markel Fultz Jason Tatum trade when the Celtics traded down from one to three. They didn't even get a future unprotected pick from the Sixers. There were protections on that future Sixers pick. Okay, so, interesting. That's and that's all they got was one additional pick. Yeah, all they got in that was one additional. I believe so. Okay, but yeah, but it was a it was a lightly protected pick. So, I mean, um, it is one drop down, right? So, and if the rock, it, it, it's t- and you I, you, I assume you save a little bit of money as well, going from two to three. I mean, probably not much, but you're basically trading. Your first choice between those two for your second choice between those two, and what what is what is that difference worth to you? I mean, obviously, I'd love to get the, the Cavs unprotected 2022 pick, but yeah, if if I'm if I'm being realistic, it would probably need to be some sort of maybe lightly protected or moderately protected future pick. Uh, but but you know, Cleveland could you know very well end up eight next. Maybe it's top five protected and they end up eight and you're picking you got the eighth pick next year that's that's nothing to sneeze at right no absolutely significant um so yeah that's a possibility let me ask you this before we go because i got to ask you a cap question um you know that's that's your your wheelhouse your forte uh rafael stone talked uh, after the the lottery results about being a mid-level team that he said you know it's possible that we could go under the cap but most likely we're going to um, remain above the cap and be a mid-level team. Um, you know, I'm assuming looking at the mid-level exception. What were your thoughts just hearing that? Expected, not expected? Oh, completely expected. Uh, I think even even if we lost the lottery and ended up with the 18th pick, when you add in um, when you when you add in every all the salaries coming back. The cap holds for having three first round picks. The, and it, you know, let alone if you want to bring back Kelly Olinick, who has, you know, his cap hold is, is almost $19 million. Um, if you, if you wanted, if you had any hopes of bringing back Kelly Olinick, you're talking zero cap room. If you were willing to let Kelly Olinick walk, the most cap room you're looking at is maybe about 15 million, and that's not going to get you a, a world beater. Like you might as well keep all your free agents, uh, or you know, keep the bird rights to your free agents, and have the full mid-level exception, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, uh, and your other cap exceptions. Oh, and by the way, you'd have to get rid of all your trade exceptions. We have two pretty decent-sized trade exceptions from the Harden and Oladipo trades. So rather than having about 15 million, which by the way we wouldn't even have 15 million now. Now that we got the number two pick. With a cap hold of almost nine million, you're you're looking at you know maybe less than mid-level exception cap room. So why not have the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, 
an $8 million Ola Depot trade exception, a $5 million Harden trade exception, the biannual exception, and all your free agents bird rights. So I would be very surprised, unless there's a John Wall trade or an Eric Gordon trade in the cap room, I would be very surprised if the Rockets used cap room this summer. I think odds were always going to be to operate over the cap, use their mid-level, maybe bring back Olenek, make trades, and add rookies. What makes sense to you from a, to, as far as a mid-level? Kind of like what they've, they've been doing is, you know, the, to try to sign a Jayshon Tate or guys who, you know, make a little bit more than the minimum and, and get them on multiple years? Or or do you see them, you know, kind of like a P.J. Tucker in the past of using that whole full mid-level on, uh, on a guy? I mean, I think it would be more the latter of the P.J. Tucker route. Um, as far as what they'd ideally like to do, because in the past they didn't have any draft picks, and this was how they, this is how they maximized their, you know, capital to to lock up young players. Well, they're going to add three players on four-year team-friendly rookie contracts in this draft. That you know, the last time they did that was 2012. Um, so, you know, they, they probably don't need to, you know use a bunch of slivers on K.J. Martin and Jay Sean Tate and, and uh, uh, you know, players like that. You know, could they reserve some space to do that? Sure. I mean, I think it would be all else equal would be uh, to their benefit to, to, to leave a little left over to do something like that. But I think they will try to pursue the best possible free agent they can with the mid-level. My guess is, and this is just me being a pessimist, that given how disappointing their season was, they had the worst record in the league last year. If they're competing with the same pool of free agents that other teams that have their non-taxpayer mid-level exception available, odds are the best of that crop are going to look elsewhere and might not be interested in the Rockets' money. Perhaps if the Rockets are offering the best fit, um, you know, they, they can show, hey, look how well uh, Kelly Olynyk fit in and he put up the best number of his, uh, numbers of his career. We can do the same for you. Maybe you can attract yes. one of the better mid-level free agents. But, you know, gun to my head, I'd say odds are they're not going to get the best of the crop there. Maybe someone slips the cracks they can get him. But it may be more along the lines of they use like two-thirds of it on us slightly lesser free agent, but someone who's worth more than the minimum. Sure. And that's, I think that's it. I, mean, I think in today's NBA, especially like players shouldn't be looking just to hit, you know, hitch on with contending teams, you know, look at Trevor Ariza signing that fat deal. One year deal with the Suns gets traded. These guys can get to where they want to be just by going for the money. I mean, the Rockets may be able to sign a veteran, for example, they don't necessarily need him to contend. They, they, they you just, having him out there competing and then they're, they're able to trade him to a team that works for both parties. You know, you get something in exchange for him and um, he gets to go to a, a, a team that, you know, maybe has more, is more ready to contend. So I, I, I think that's, you know, the Rockets wouldn't right now would not necessarily be a huge free agent draw as far as contending or anything of that nature. But if, you know, they're getting a couple extra million more than they would somewhere else, it's a way for them to still get to where they need to be. I hate to I hate to, to talk about the Rockets as in like just a stepping stone to somewhere else, but I I tend to believe the Rockets are a couple years away from being that team again. Agreed. Well, David, man, it's uh, overall this is just a great great time. I mean, I'm just so happy the way this turned out because it really really could have gone south, um, and uh, I think it would have been the, the apathy for the Rockets would have been a little bit. I say it would have been ramped up a little bit. I was amazed the activity on the board after the Rockets' results. I mean, you know, basically it lit the fan base on fire again. Um, you know, so the Rockets have a chip in the game. You know, it's they're not going to be contending next year, but they now have uh, the chance to pick a guy who could be, um, you know, a, a top three player on a contending team. I mean, I'm, it's too early to say that about guys in the draft, but. They could be. They have that type of potential, and it, it would be very hard to pull that with the 18th pick. So the results are fantastic. I mean, the fact that the fact that we went from the potential for the being stuck with the 18th pick to now you and I are having legitimate conversations about 
being able to trade down, get another pick, and still get one of the top four talents of the draft, that's a pretty damn good outcome for tonight. Oh, no question. And I, and the, the funny thing is, a lot of this is marketing. Dave. I mean, most Rocket fans got it, and, and they, they understood. But there were a lot who were just disappointed that they didn't get Cade Cunningham. And I just don't think they understood that, that the Rockets were one of three teams with the exact same odds. And a lot of this is on... Every mock draft, you know, the entire ESPN broadcast, making it sound like the Rockets are, you know, the favorite for the number one pick. Pick when they really. Weren't. I hated reading those mock drafts. Wasn't that the, the worst? It's that like Cade Cunningham for the Rockets. Rockets. It's like, Cade dude. Cunningham. Yes, it was the it, worst. Like fourteen. It's, it's like you're trying to jinx us. Every <laughs> mock draft is trying to jinx us. I, I felt the same way, and I and I can't blame them because what else are they going to do for a draft order? But it's the lottery odds. People just don't quite fully understand the lottery odds aren't the way they used to be anymore. And it there was a tremendous amount of, of luck here because the, the Pistons and the Magic had the exact same lottery odds as the Rockets. You could have put the Rockets as three at three and those teams at one and two, and it would have been the exact same thing. And look at Orlando; they finished fifth, where which would have been you know death for the Rockets. Um, and Detroit finished first. So it, it gives the appearance that the Rockets fell, that they lost a spot, and it's not the case at all. So I'm just ecstatic for them to be number two. I would have been ecstatic if they were four. Um, and so two, to me, is just a huge bonus. So we got, like I said, there's going to be a lot of Rockets activity now in the news. They've been nothing but quiet for the last month or two, um, and now they're, they're going to be a team that uh, – probably it's going to have a lot of quotes in the media and um, they're going to be involved in a lot of rumors. Oh yeah. And I'm here for all of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks Dave. We'll do it again soon. And uh, the draft's coming up and that's going to be always going to be a, uh, a great party at your place. And you can follow David again on Twitter at Bema thug. It just absolutely an amazing follow. Very well respected. Um, not just among rocket fans, but all NBA fans as far as understanding the cap and, and, um, you know, other team salary situations. Thanks again, David, for doing this. And like I said, we'll do it again soon. My pleasure as always, Dave.